The NHL had its first big trade, and the season is starting to heat up, and we're going to talk all about it on today's episode of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. I am Nick Zorosh, joined by my co-host, Hunter Hodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com and use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Hunter, we had our first big move, and that's going to be one of the framing points for today's episode. We're going to touch on the movement in the power rankings. Got two new tops, top spots in two divisions. We're going to talk a little bit about asset management 101 in relation to the Jamie Drysdale Carter Gauthier trade. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what we're looking for in identifying teams who are capable of making runs, teams that are in good spots right now, but where they might be lacking. And if they want to go from being a team that can maybe win one round or two in the postseason to a bona fide contender. The types of steps they can make so without further ado let's get on into it and we can start with maybe the most low profile team to make it to first overall in the league this year in the winnipeg jets um lot of kudos to a team that you know it's been they've been missing kyle connor for quite a few weeks now connor hellebuck has been his usual outstanding self and they've really gotten excellent contributions from guys down the lineup and they have shown a non-traditional way to assemble a roster and compete at a pretty high level it's funny the jets just continue to surprise me week after week because it feels like every time they're maybe going to falter. They don't. And Shifley has been awesome for Winnipeg this year, 14 goals, 41 points in 40 games. Ehlers is showing why he's one of the, I think one of the most underrated players in the league with 32 points in 40 games. Morrissey's playing really well from the back end. Kyle Connor, even though he's only played 26 games, he has 17 goals. Nino Niederreiter has played really well for them this year. You look at that lineup, right? And you don't see too much, I guess, elite talent, but they have very good players that know their roles. And when you have a coach in Rick Bonus who can put a system in place that plays to the strength of the team, it's no wonder why this team is playing really good hockey this year. And of course, it helps when you have arguably the best goaltender in hockey, at least this season. Connor Hellebuck has been absolutely unreal for the Jets and should very much be in consideration for the Vesna Trophy. They're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. And I can't believe I'm saying that considering what they were potentially going to do over the summer. Everyone felt like, oh, this is the year where the Jets are finally going to blow it up. They've been a middling team for so long. Nope. They signed Shifley and Hellebuck to those massive extensions. Sure, Blake Wheeler's gone, but they brought back a lot of the same team, and Kevin Dayoff is kind of looking like a little bit of a mini genius with that because the Jets are playing like one of the best teams in the league. The central playoffs are going to be a lot of fun once those get underway in April because the Jets are going to give, I think, Dallas a fight. They'll give Colorado a fight, whoever they play in the playoffs. And that's going to be a fun series. One thing I found interesting when I was kind of doing my analysis, trying to build a little bit of a profile on the Jets, something I found interesting 
They're fifth in overall goals. They're second in goals against. But they're also bottom 10 in both special teams, which I found very interesting that they've been this successful with a pretty middling power play and an outright bad penalty kill. That's really rare. And you would think, in addition to the fact that it's just hard to be competitive with bad special teams, you know, you would think a team that has one of the best goalies in the world would have a decent penalty kill just by simple, the old cliche that the hockey heads love to say, your goalie's your best penalty killer. But I think the Jets' power play issues can be rectified a little bit once Kyle Connor comes back. They are right. kind of lacking a trigger man to that, a, a trigger man to kind of orchestrate their power play to give them a little bit more dimension. But as far as why I, I am starting to take the Jets more seriously. I think the fact that they have been so consistent at five on five, that is you. That is a really hard thing to do when you don't have one of those preeminent superstars. Their best player in terms of zone, uh, in terms of zone entries, in terms of the types of the little details that kind of separate the special players from the good players, is is Nick Ehlers, who I agree with you, one of the most underrated players in the entire league, been an analytics darling basically his entire career, and he's ridden shotgun with a bunch of different people over his time in Winnipeg, whether it was with Blake Wheeler, with Mark Shifley, whoever, and the one other person I wanted to shout out that's really kind of taken a step for them. Dylan DeMello has really kind of made a leap that I didn't I don't guys at his age just don't really make leaps like you know when you're in your mid-20s you're more or less who you are mid-20s Dylan DeMello is 30 guys don't make leaps in their career don't make leaps in their performance like this this late in their career so clearly something under the hood is working for him in a way that hasn't and they finally got uh what's his face uh Cole Perfetti involved and actually using him where between him and Vili Hanola it feels like I've been waiting for both of those guys to get a real serious opportunity for two or three years now and Perfetti when he's played has been pretty effective I agree. And DeMello, it felt like for a long time he, he was who he was, like a really good bottom pairing defenseman who you can maybe slide in your top four if needed. Well, he's taken quite the leap, as you said, this year. He can play top four minutes and put up really strong underlying numbers. The biggest thing for the Jets, though, with me, some of their underlings aren't that good. But then when you see there are 64% actual goals right at five on five, that jumps out at you right away. And they have a plus 42 goal differential at five on five as well. Those are the two things that really jump out at me when I dove into the numbers for this team, because I I was also surprised as well that they've continued to play like this throughout the season, but they've gotten contributions from all over their lineup. They're playing really well defensively, which is a staple for a Rick bonus coach team. And as I said, they're getting great goaltending from Hellebuck, who was one of the best goaltenders in the league. I know nobody really saw this coming, especially with what the comments were made at the end of last season and the off season, but it's clear that a summer to really think about things really paid off for Winnipeg. And it's been a lot of fun really watching this team a little bit more diving into the numbers a little bit. It's going to be fun to see how they do down the stretch here. All right, moving along, another team that's really kind of heated up and finally got made a leap up to first place. Uh, the Panthers finally got past, finally got to pass the Bruins in our power rankings. The Bruins are still ahead of them in the actual standings, but the Panthers have really rattled off a really nice run in the last couple of weeks. They're eight two and zero in their last ten games. Bobrovsky, solid, not elite, 14th, 15th, middle of the pack and goals saved above expected, 14th in goals for, third in goals against, fourth, 14th in power play, fifth in penalty killing. 
Uh, the big story for me in regards to Florida, uh, Sam Reinhardt's been incredible this year, and he has carried a lot of the load to make up for the fact that it took Matthew Kachuk a little bit to get going. I know a lot of people were wondering, you know, when is Kachuk going to get going? When's he going to get going? What's wrong? He's not even over a point per game, and that was only, you know, like a week or two ago. But when you – I know it's very easy to say, well, he's a world-class athlete. He's a really good hockey player. He broke his sternum. He probably had really significant, a really difficult acclimation process to get back to feeling normal. And once you start to feel normal, then you can actually start to play like you're capable of. I know we take modern medicine for granted a lot now because of how easy these recovery processes are, that it's more or less academic, that you suffer a serious injury and you'll be fine after the fact. He had a hat trick the other night against the Blues, which is good to see. The Panthers are getting going. They probably still have a little bit of wiggle room in regards to adding one more guy to their group. And they don't really have any dead weight. There are a lot of teams that have, you know, a 10th, 11th, 12th forward who just, they don't give you anything. They're just out there because you need to fill up the roster. Like Florida's lowest two guys in, in war are Nick Cousins and um, Gustav Forsling, not Goose Forsling, um, Ryan Lomberg, the, the center they drafted a couple right. of years ago. So, when you're talking about a team that, yeah, they've got the high-end talent, they've got Barkov, they've got Reinhardt, they've got Kachuk, they've got no real holes. Like, sure, they could probably use one more forward to kind of solidify their top nine, but no real holes in that lineup, and that's a real talented team. And real quick, I just wanted to shout, the Pens, 7-2-1 and in their last 10, the Avalanche, 8-1-1 and in their last 10, Seattle, 8-0-2 oh, in their last 10, and Vancouver, who swept the tri the New York Tri-State area over the last weekend, 7-2-1 and in their last 10. So we're starting to see teams make their move through to get to make a run, really. We are really starting to see teams kind of get over what was plaguing them in the first half and really start to make a move towards the upper echelon of the standings. I don't see a weakness on this Panthers team. I know the Eastern Conference this year, there are plenty of pretty good teams. I don't think there's a juggernaut in this conference. There's just a lot of very good teams that I feel like all would have a shot at beating each other in the playoffs. The Panthers are no exception to being one of the best teams in this conference. Again, I don't really see a weakness on this squad. Sam Reinhardt, you said it, 29 goals, 51 points in 40 games. He probably should be getting more Hart Trophy consideration right now, in my opinion, and the Hart race is going to be a lot of fun this year, Nick. I honestly could see 10, 12 players, maybe more than that, that have a serious chance of being a Hart Trophy finalist for this season. This is probably one of the best Hart Trophy races we've seen in some time. Barkov has been unbelievable, 44 points in 37 games. He should be the favorite to win the Selkie this year. In my opinion, his defensive metrics are disgustingly good. And I feel like the only reason why he doesn't have more Selkies is because Patrice Bergeron was winning the award every single year. Verhage has 22 goals. It's funny. Kachuk had a little bit of a slow start to the season. He has 39 points in 40 games. He's still at a point per game uh, pace, and, and, and he hasn't even – feels like it's reached his potential just yet for this season. Evan Rodriguez, I think he's one of the best depth players in the league. He was on Pittsburgh for quite a few years, has seven goals, 26 points this season. He's played really well with Florida. It's funny, I wanted the Penguins to sign him again over the offseason, but he's fit in really well there. Oliver ekman Larson feels like has found the fountain of youth down there. I didn't really think much of that move, but Bill Zito has found a role for him in the lineup. And Paul Maurice has done a good job coaching him up because it looked like he was cooked for quite a while the last few years of his career, but he's playing well. Forsling got Sam Bennett down there, Anton Lundell. There, again, there is no true weakness for that team. And if Bobrovsky 
plays at a high level, just like last year, this team is also going to be a very tough out in the playoffs. I like that you shouted out the other teams. I kind of disagree with the Penguins maybe being at seventh in the Metro, considering how hot they've been. They're nine and three and two in their last 14 games. Ever really since Kyle Dubas challenged them, they've been a completely different team. Maybe I would move them up a little bit in the Metro Power Rankings, but not like top four or anything like that. The Pacific, Vancouver, you shouted them out. I think they're the best team in the West right now. I'll die on that hill. I think they're even better than Winnipeg, Vegas, and Colorado. I know so let's touch on that. Let's 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 go to break. We'll come back huh. and we can circle back to regards to Vancouver because there's a conversation we can have about right. maximizing your assets in regards to them. So we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just take a minute to talk about being prepared? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if somebody I cared about or one of my or somebody in my family got sick while a supply chain issue kept them from the life-saving medication they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff can happen to anyone. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use code OFFER LOCKED ON to get $20 off your purchase. I want to remind everybody that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every single league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. So, Hunter, we saw the first real move of the season happened the other day Monday night while I was at the I was at the Rangers Canucks game and like six different people texted me what are the Flyers doing and I was like oh who did they trade did they finally trade Morgan Frost after healthy scratching him you know 12 times over the first 40 games even though he's a good player having a pretty good season and then I opened the feed I saw the trade I was like isn't Cutter Godier pretty good and isn't Jamie Drysdale pretty hurt and it, re it reminded me of something I talk about a lot that we don't do a good job of in the hockey world, which is you only have so many guys. You can only dress, you know, 18 skaters and two goalies on a game day. You have an AHL affiliate and you can have 50 total players in your organization under contract. You get seven draft picks every year. What you do with those seven, whether you trade them for guys or use them, you turn over one seventh of your 50 guys every single year you are not going to be able to keep every single player you draft or acquire. You at some point are going to need to recognize, hey, we have more forwards, we have more goalies, we have more D. One of those position groups needs to be thinned out to supplement the rest. And I, I brought up this relation in the Canucks, and we'll, we'll circle back to the, the Drysdale for Gautier trade itself, but the Canucks did this. They had the extra first-round pick last year from the Islanders. They said... We probably can't draft somebody that will help our team right now. We need defensive help right now. They went and traded for Philip Roenick, 
who has done a really solid job as a supporting piece to kind of enable Quinn Hughes to play at the level he's playing at right now. And you brought it up a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Canucks in regards to making a move because they had traded for Zadorov as well, using, you know, draft picks to go and get to solidify an issue. And that the Canucks, with Jim Rutherford kind of lurking in the shadows, loves to be active, loves to make moves. At some point, you got to start pushing chips in. And for a team like the Canucks, it makes sense because they got off to a really hot start. For the Flyers to do it, I think that's very interesting. And it's not a huge amount of chips. You know, yes, Gautier was their number one prospect in their organization. But this is a team that they are exceeding expectations. And they wanted to do something that both rewarded the group for playing the way they are so far. And they've uh, wholly exceeded expectations, still sitting in a playoff spot as we talk about this right now. And they went and got them some help that they needed. And they got somebody who's a bit of a depreciated asset who we think can be someone who's definitely a first pair defenseman at a real position of need. And it cost them somebody who was probably a year or two away from helping them at the NHL level. Anyway, it feels like this is, I don't want to say it's a win-win because we don't know what Gautier is going to look like on the docks whenever that does happen, but it feels like this is pretty close to a win-win. It, it could be, especially if Drysdale plays and stays healthy. That's been the biggest thing for me throughout his career so far is that Drysdale's been really banged up throughout his career. And I feel like we haven't really been able to see him play to his potential. Now, if he does stay healthy with the Flyers and he plays up to his potential, I think this could be a big win for the Flyers, no matter what happens with Gauthier. Now, if Gauthier does play well at the Ducks, that's going to be a big deal because the Ducks have quite a few prospects that are coming. I think the Ducks are going to be good sooner rather than later. We'll have to see. But, Originally, when I first saw the trade, I'm like, what are the Flyers doing? But then when I really thought about it, I was like, okay, I understand from a Flyers perspective because they're getting a young defenseman back who can eat a lot of minutes. If he stays healthy, he can play at a high level. And you're also rewarding the players for just putting together this type of season. Now, I know the Flyers, they've lost seven of the last 10 that they beat Montreal uh, on Wednesday night. But you got to do something to reward the players for putting in this type of season. I don't think they're going to be buyers per se at the deadline in March. I think it's still more likely that they may sell off an asset or two that's maybe up after the season just because Briere said they were rebuilding and heading into the season. I don't think they're just going to randomly change their timeline, but I don't think they're going to be selling off you know major assets at that point. Now, in comparison with Vancouver, I like it as well. I do think the Canucks are going to reward their fan base pretty big by the deadline. I think they still have another move or two up their sleeve with how they've been playing. I know I was touching on the Canucks before we went to break for this segment. I think they're the best team in the Western Conference. I think they would take any of those teams, Vegas, Colorado, Winnipeg, in a playoff series. I know some of their underlyings aren't the greatest, but, I mean, heck, this team right now, they have a 61% actual goals right there. They have a plus 40 goal differential, five on five. They have all their star players playing at an elite level, and they have Thatcher Demko playing like one of the best goalies in the league. This is going to be a very tough out overall. And I do think with how Canucks fans are feeling this season, they're going to be rewarded in the next couple of months. For sure. And we are going to talk a little bit more about how we can differentiate between these teams that are in playoff spots, what we kind of look for in identifying who's a playoff team versus who's a Stanley Cup contender when we come it is almost the halfway point in the season, hockey fans. Make a great 
opportunity come to life. Regardless of where your team might be in the current standings, I want to remind you, you can win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official daily hockey app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. If I was trying 100 times my money, I'd be looking at some of the people we've talked about on the show today. Matthew Kachuk, Elias Pettersson, Sergei Bobrovsky, Thatcher Demko, Aiden Hill, Jack Eichel. There are so many great players in the league today. There has never been a more exciting time to be a hockey fan. Sleeper also just has the best interface of any fantasy sports app. I say that as somebody who's been on Sleeper since I was in high school and I'm 26 now. So the fact that they've had the best running user interface for basically my entire adult life is crazy, but it's true. Sleeper is just that good. All you have to do is pick whether studs like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon, Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus minus and more in a given game. To win a hundred times bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, hockey fans. You can win a hundred times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention, nail those picks and win big. Use promo code locked on NHL and you'll get up to a hundred dollar match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details and locational availability. Want to thank everyone who's hanging out, made it to the third segment of the show. We are in the midst of a really, really, really bizarrely busy sports week for the middle of January. A lot of news in the football world, the hockey, the hockey. The hockey landscape is kind of waiting for its moment. We typically don't start getting actual attention from non-hockey centric media till after football season ends. So we're not too far away from hockey starting to get a little bit more attention. But when we're talking about this time of year in baseball, we talk about the dog days of summer where late July, you still got another 60 games to go. And for the most part, you kind of have a good idea who's in the mix, who isn't. Hockey, we're getting to that point now. Most teams have played about 40 games. We have a general understanding of who's actually good and who isn't and what kind of what we're looking for to differentiate amongst a pretty packed field. You know, we've been talking about the Metro being extremely condensed where most of these teams are only separated by a couple standings points to kind of differentiate amongst them. For me, I think the single biggest starting point I have to determine whether or not a team is Stanley Cup good or not is do they have a bona fide star? And I'm not just saying a really good player. I'm saying, you know, one of the 20, 30 best players in the world. That is really my starting point for an evaluation. You think recent NHL history, last year, Vegas, Jack Eichel, top 20, 30 player in the world, for sure. Colorado year before, Kale McCarr, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, three. You talk about Tampa Bay. You talk about Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman, Vasilevsky. You could throw a point in there if you really wanted to amongst the top 30. The Blues, maybe a little bit of an outlier. You could probably argue Petrangelo, top 20, 30 player in the world. The Capitals, Ovechkin, top 20 player in the world at the time. The Penguins, Crosby, Malkin, arguably Latang. And then you go to the Peng- you go to the Blackhawks, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze, Duncan Keith. So generally speaking, you need to have somebody in that tier to be on that category. That is part of the reason I've come around on the Canucks to kind of where you've been is Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes are playing like two of the 20 best players in the world. And there's an argument Demko as as well. When you have three guys in the top 20 in the entire world, that gives you a real opportunity to level with anybody in the world. 
I agree with you. And honestly, you have the jersey hanging up behind you right now, Brock Besser. I don't think Besser is a top 20 player in the world right now. But, Nick, I do think he's playing like it at least this season. Last season was hell for him in so many ways. And he's almost at 30 goals this season. He's playing unbelievable for the Canucks. But I agree with you overall. I think right now Quinn Hughes is playing like a top five defenseman in the league. And for a long time, people with him were like, oh, like, He's underrated. He's underrated. But but it's just like, I feel like he's been playing at this level throughout his career. But some people maybe just haven't fully recognized it yet just because he plays in Vancouver. Pedersen is having, I think, the best season of his career this year. Looking like a Hart Trophy contender, in my opinion. And what he did against the Rangers earlier this week was crazy. The way he dusted Andre Miller. I believe he dusted Fox in that game at some point as well. He's been playing also at a very high level. You you threw Demko in there too. And then you look at the other teams for Stanley Cup contenders, right? The Bruins, 24 and 8 and 8 this year. They have Pasternak, Marshawn, definitely two top 20 players in the league. The Panthers, you have Kachuk. You can throw maybe defenseman-wise. Ekblad when he's playing at the height of his power. Toronto, obviously, with their star talent. You go to the Metro. The Rangers have Adam Fox. Igor Shesterkin's one of the best goalies in the league. Carolina, it's funny. Nick, I don't think they have, I guess, star elite talent, but they have enough good to great players where they can potentially go on a Stanley Cup run. And then, you know, you want to go to the Western Conference, you can throw Vegas in there, obviously with Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, Colorado with McKinnon, Ranson, McCarr. If Landis Gog was healthy, I would throw him in there as well. Dallas with Robertson and Rupe Hintz. LA has been very good this season. Edmonton is slowly tur- – is I wouldn't even say slowly anymore. They've really turned it around this year. McDavid, Drysdale, they're obviously two of the 20 best players in the league as well. I think they could sneak into the playoffs, and if they do, they could potentially cause some damage to some of those Western Conference teams. Those are the teams I'm really looking at as true contenders for this season. I'll, I'll, I'll throw Winnipeg in there too, even though they, I don't think they have – Elite elite talent, they have enough good to great players where they can go on a run as well. They've got one. They've got one guy to get them in the door. They've got one guy to get them in the door. Josh Morrissey's on the precipice. He's on that fringe. I'd say he's in the conversation for one of the 10, 15 best defensemen in the world. Mm -hmm. So that gets you in the door. And then once you start parsing through those and comparing them to each other, that's kind of how we can build out tiers and levels amongst our pyramid of ideas of who's an actual contender, who can win a series or two. Because there are teams, you know, like we didn't mention the Devils who, you know, the Devils have, when they're healthy, they have two, three top 20 players in the world. Absolutely. When the Islanders are healthy, there's an argument. You can get Matt Barzell and Bo Horvat in the discussion of top 20 to top 30 player in the world. You know, that's the thing is that's not the only benchmark you need. You need more than just a couple of stars. That's been the Oilers issue this year in particular is other than their top six, they've gotten absolutely no production from pretty much anyone else in the lineup. So we sit at a point now where it's going to start to pick up. You're going to start to see a lot more smoke on the timeline. There's going to be a lot more fire on the timeline of guys reporting things, guys hearing things, you know, Elliot Friedman will say, well, I'm thinking about this as in somebody told me this and, you know, (laughs) because he doesn't want to assume any liability if he's wrong, even though we all know how this works, but we're going to start to see news pick up as these teams that are on the fence start to kind of fall back from the pack. Calgary holds a lot of cards to determine what this deadline is going to look like. And that'll be really, I won't say they they'll set the tone, set the market, 
but they have a lot of control of what this deadline looks like. And then we just got to see who's aggressive. You know, is Vancouver going to keep pushing chips in because of how strongly of a start they got off to? Is Edmonton going to push more chips in because they can't afford to wait any longer? Or is a team on the fence? Maybe the Coyotes go out there and get a rental to reward their group who's on the fence of being a playoff team and really kind of push them further into the mix to kind of say, hey, we're a little ahead of schedule. We have a million draft picks. Let's go get a rental top six forward in here, ride out the rest of the season, and go into next year with a little bit of momentum for our young group that whenever guys join us, whether they be over in Europe over in co- or they're in college or junior hockey, that you're coming into a group that made the playoffs last year because that matters. You know, we, We're going to run out of time here before we can touch – we can really get into this, but and we'll, ta- we'll save this conversation for later. But there is value in having playoff experience, even if it's – it's not particularly good playoff experience going in, getting your doors blown off in five or six games by a good team. You need that experience as a group. It, it is part of the learning curve. You have to have as you need as many cracks at the can as you possibly can. You need to make the playoffs, you know, seven, eight times in 10 years. If you want a real chance to win the Stanley Cup. I make the same comparison. It's funny you say this Nick, because I, I'm going to make a comparison to the NFL right now. The Steelers made the playoffs this past weekend, right? They're going up to Buffalo to play one of the hottest teams in the league. Some people are like, no, no, you got to have better draft position. It's like, no, I'm rather these young players who really haven't had too much playoff experience get to experience at least one game, whether you get blown out or keep it close, or even if obviously if you win, that would be great. But even if you get blown out, that's still experience that you can carry over into next year and in and in future years, I would say the same for the Arizona Coyotes this year. They're 20 and 17 and two. They are very much in the playoff race. They've won six of the last 10 games. I could see a world where they could reward their fan base and try to go at least all in a little bit to try and get a playoff series where that gets some of these young players experience for next year and in future years. I will always say in those sort of situations, you go for it and try to make the playoffs and instead of just maybe trying to get a better draft pick. Another just... Real quick, one team that I really do think could hold a lot of cards at the deadline, the Penguins. We have to see what happens with Jake Gensel. I know there's been a lot of reporting regarding what's going to happen with him. There will obviously be a lot of interest in him if the Penguins falter these next two months. I really only see them trading him if they're like five to ten points out of the race, but based on what they've done these last several weeks, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they would keep him if they're in the race, but if not, you're going to see quite a few teams interested in, I think, in one of the best goal scorers in the league. So that's going to be a really interesting storyline to follow as well. I, I think the Penguins will push their chips to go all in for one more year of the core if they're in it. But if not, I could see them kind of doing what the Capitals did last year, Nick, and maybe just selling off some assets and just retooling for the following year. And that will do it for this week's episode of the Locked On NHL Power Rankings. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts or over on YouTube. We will talk to you guys next week. Later.